What's up, guys? We are going to have a good morning, a good Sunday morning. I feel you. I think you feel me. Um, any tired people out there? Any tired people? Yeah? Talking to Sam kind of sounds a little tired. Uh, every time I get his text, I'm always so excited to come back here, man. Every time I come here, this place grows a little more. Um, not just in numbers, but just in emotion. And as I'm sitting there, just to see people, you know, call each other by name and get excited to spend time together is a really, really rare thing. So you guys have a, a special gift here um, that I hope that you know, just a rich community uh, of deep love um, amongst you. And that's just so palpable. Every time I walk in, it just hits me in the face. I'm like, man, these people are inspiring. These people are kind. These people are loving so diverse, um, just just great people, and uh, which is a gift of the Spirit. Sometimes, you know, Christians will say, hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a good person, you know, as long, as long as you're saved. But, you know, according to Galatians 5, goodness is actually a gift of the Spirit. It's actually evidence that Christ is working in your life and working in you. So when I come here and I see genuinely good people the first thing I think is, man, Christ is alive. He is working in this place. This place is on fire for God. So uh, I'm honored to be with you once again. Um, as tradition, I take the psalm seriously when we say enter into his courts with thanksgiving. And so, you know, every time I come and visit you guys, uh, we take a pause for a few moments to uh, enter into a time of gratitude. So if you would for me, just close your eyes for a moment. And in the best way possible, take a big, deep breath. Just exhale. And one more big, deep breath. Exhale. Let's get in the zone. So as you're sitting there, just begin to thank God for your week. Um, thank him for everything he did that week, last week. Big and small, just start to just try and list as many as you can in your, in your brain, just kind of spitfire. Yeah, that was God. Yeah, that was God. Yeah, that was God. And thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Can't believe you did that for me. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for that. This feels so good right now because it's biblical. Because when we come into his course, we're supposed to enter with gratitude and thanksgiving. So as you're thanking him, if you can, try and get it down to one moment, um, one event, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a place, a specific thing that happened to you this week. And whether it's saying it, whether it's raising a hand, whatever it is, just a small, vulnerable act just to say thank you to God. Amen. So Lord, thank you, God, so much for this opportunity for me to speak to your precious people. God, we are all here because we believe in you and we believe that Life can be so amazing with you in it, God. And so we are aspiring to live 
a more wonderful life with you, Jesus. And I ask, Father, that you give me every tool I need to inspire these people this morning. Speak through me, God. Um, Compel our hearts to a vision of your Son, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So, any uh, any Barnes and Noble nerds out there like me who just like kind of just like to go and walk around for no reason? You know, what I mean, it's like it's like nine o'clock on a Friday night. You're thinking about the movie, you know, thinking about just walking around at the shops, but you just end up at Barnes and Noble just walking around for no reason, right? Just looking at books with with pretty covers. So I, that, that's me. And so every time uh, I'm walking around Barnes and Noble, especially this time of year, I see the station marked summer reading and you see some of the you know amazing american classics and some of the best novels ever written and it's the books that you all look at and you're like oh i want to read that one i want to read that one i want to read this one knowing full well you'll probably never read any of them but you're just talking yourself up like oh yeah i can't wait to read all these books this summer by the way do you guys have that friend that always says oh i do all my reading in the summer i just i just can't stop reading all summer but you know good and well they ain't read nothing like <laughs> Like, oh, I'll put it off to the summer. That's when I read all my books. And they just like, you know, I'm like, dude, you ain't read a book in years, bro. Like, calm down. But this morning, I wanted to talk to you about summer reading. And to make a plea um, to encourage you to promote that this summer, you would consider the Bible for your summer reading. That you would consider diving into it in a way that you've never dove into it before. That you would come back to the mystery that is Scripture and come back to the wonder that is God and just be captivated by it, be entranced by it, crave it, begin to want it, begin to need it. I'm asking you this morning to come with me and revisit your summer reading and consider the Bible. When I was a freshman in college, I didn't have the grades to go to the D1 school that I wanted to go to. So I had to go to junior college for a year. And it was really interesting because we were in the safest, most expensive area in America, but the kids that went were still junior college kids, right? So I'm sitting in there in my apartment, and, you know, there's dudes there, you know, from Watts, you know, from Crenshaw, and, you know, from all over the L.A. area here to play basketball. And so needless to say... As a freshman coming in with these dudes that are like, you know, way older than me, it was a stressful environment. It was me and six other roommates in a two-bedroom apartment, little tiny apartment. And so I'm kind of a more of the introverted type. And so if I don't have my space, it just kind of just begins to wear on me a little bit. Anybody else like that? Just need your personal space, right? So it was one of those things where you, you're going to bed tired and you're waking up tired and you're going to bed tired and you gotta you gotta study and then after study you gotta go play ball and so it was just this process of being so exhausted just day in and day out just exhausted and finally there's this one practice where coach and I had gotten into it on something and I was just like you know what man I'm done dude I'm, I'm done coming to practice and getting yelled at I'm I'm done done going home and having my stuff messed with so. I hop in my bike and begin to ride back to my apartment because this is when I would typically have um, my quiet time uh, with God. Uh, and so I hop on my bike, riding back to my apartment, and I knew that I had to get in there quickly because as soon as I got back, the activities would start, the music would begin, you know, people would start dancing. It would just turn into like the whole party within minutes. So I had to get in there 
got in the closet, literally of my room, closed the door, and just began to read the Bible. And so I'm in there for a few moments, and sure enough, I hear the key start to jingle, and I'm just like, oh man, just give me like five minutes alone. Door walks in, music turns up, the activities begin. I come out, there's like people everywhere. And so as I'm sitting in there reading, I hear the sound go down. And, you know, I put my ear to the wall and I hear people whispering like, hey, 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 what? hey I see Justin's bike outside. Hey, hey what's he doing in there? <laughs> oh, I hear my friend Lamont. Oh, yeah, you know, bro, he, uh, he's in there. He's doing his quiet time. I said, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, what's a quiet time? Yeah, well, a quiet time is like, you know, when you quiet, but you speaking, but you ain't. It's like, man, shut up. You don't know what a quiet time is. You know. Go see what he's doing. No, I don't want to go see what he's doing. You know he's weird. Go see. <laughs> oh, and then I eventually came out the closet and told him what I was doing. But it was this process of fighting to have a quiet time. So typically what I do when I come here with you this morning is I get to tell stories and it's awesome. But today we're going to make it a little more intensive. And I want you to leave us some value and some meat this morning um, that you can take with you throughout the week. So this morning what we're going to talk about is how to do that. How? I hear it so much. I want to grow closer with God. I want to grow closer with God. I want more of him in my life. I want to feel his Holy Spirit more. How in the world are we supposed to do that as believers? How do we actually see our relationship grow with him and we become stronger and stronger and stronger? And it's through the process called a quiet time. I wish, or your time spent with God. I know it's a super you know, Christian term, a quiet time. <laughs> but it's your personal time that you spend with God. Um, so if you'll let me, can we go through that? All right, let's do it. First things first is... You need a time and a place. You need a specific time and a specific place. This is your holy place. As the burning bush began to burn, and the first thing God told Moses was, remove your shoes because you were on holy ground. This is your place with God. It doesn't get tampered with. It doesn't get messed with that you know for a fact this is where you are meeting the maker of heaven and the creator of earth. Daniel went up into his upper room three times a day to meet with God. And every time he walked in, he removed his sandals because he knew that he was about to have an encounter with God. The first things first is you need a specific place, a place where you can be free, a place where you don't have to worry about making funny faces, right? A place where you don't have to worry about screaming if you don't want to, or yelling, or being angry, or being mad, or worshiping, or singing to the top of your lungs, or doing any type of poetry or art or something just to confess your soul to God. It's a place where you feel absolutely free. Think about that place in your head, what that place looks like for you. It's your place with God. It's your holy place. Man, if you got kids and everything is getting, you know, kind of run around and just things just break all the time and things are always all over the place, say, that's fine, but I know I have this one sacred place that is not to be tampered with. 
This is my time with God. This is my place with God. You also need a specific time. A specific time. Jesus was religious about that, no pun intended. But he got up every single morning before the sun rose, and he had that specific time with God. Um, Sometimes, I don't know what it is about the morning, it just feels so much better to start your day off that way. It just feels so much better. That's why morning services I I, I like so much, um, because it feels good to start your day off with God. But you don't have to do it in the morning. But what needs to happen is that you're coming to God when you're at your best so that you can give your best. If that's in the morning for you, incredible. If that's after lunch for you, amazing. If you're one of these art-inspired people that you just like to work all through the night and create things and that's just when you feel alive and most connected, that's the time that you need to be giving to God. It's the time when you are at your best so you can give your best. So the first point is a specific time and a specific place. Make that decision right now as I'm talking. Where's your place and what time are you going to pick? The second thing is when we get in that time and space, literally, when we're sitting in that space with God, how do we approach that time with him? What should our body language be like? What should our thought process be like? What should I be doing? What should I be thinking about? And so this is a specific area that I've spent a lot of time trying to reclaim in our church that has been hijacked by people that think that the God and the maker of heaven and all earth is here with us. And that we can just kind of say whatever we want to him, whisper whatever we want to him, talk to him in every way that we want. And I know that the song says, I'm a friend of God and all these things, but I got to tell you this morning that that's not biblical. There was one person in the whole Bible that was called the friend of God in James chapter 5, and it was a man by the name of Abraham. And so, you know, when we start a civilization and, you know, when we track across the desert for 40 years by ourselves and when we have the faith that we're willing to put our son and sacrifice him to the Lord, then maybe we could be called the friends of God, okay? But until that point, there is a level of how this thing works. There are levels to how our relationship with God operates, Now, we've seen in the past that this can also be misinterpreted and people begin to see God as an evil tyrant who can't wait to just smite you and beat you over the head with something. That's not the case. He's loving and he's accepting and he says into the word, come to me for I will give you rest. He is a God that's beckoning you near, but he is also a God that demands our respect. And he has a specific way for how we're supposed to approach him in the way that we spend time with him. Psalms 104, one of my favorite verses says that we are to come into his courts with thanksgiving. And that is 100% why I do that here every single day. And because he sounds really great on the guitar. But for the fact that it's biblical, guys. It's biblical. It feels that good and you're just, oh man, okay, I'm in the zone now. I can focus. I feel like I'm ready to receive. I feel like I'm ready to worship. It feels that way because it's biblical. God says that when we are to enter into his courts, if this is our space and this is our time with God, that we are supposed to come with so much thanksgiving and offerings to God. Thank you, Lord, for this week. Thank you, Father, that I can meet you here. 
Thank you, God, for all your blessings. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the morning. Thank you for my coffee. Thank you for the air. Thank you that my legs work. Thank you that my feet work. Thank you that I can see. Thank you that I'm still moving. Thank you that I'm in my right mind. Even though I got a cold, thank you that I can still move this leg over here. I'm going to find something thankful to say to God. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And when you do that every single day, you begin to form a new habit. And you begin to realize how small you are and how big God is. When everything you get is so thankful, so thankful, so thankful. I was doing a business deal with um, some people uh, a few months ago. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. I was like, man, why doesn't this just feel right? And, you know, I was working really hard for them to make sure that they were all set up the way they wanted to go. We were using a, a particular space. And I said, why doesn't this, it just doesn't feel right. And I, when I got back home, the Lord began to put it on my heart and said, you know, it, it feels that way because you're feeling the absence of gratitude. And when you have a family member that you're working with or a child or a spouse or someone at work, and you're like, you know what, just no matter what I do, it just doesn't feel like they're going to appreciate it doesn't feel like they're going to be thankful. doesn't feel like they're going to be grateful. And that doesn't feel good. And so imagine the creator of the universe has given us everything, how we come to him without bearing gifts of gratefulness and of thankfulness. That is a must, and that is our first as we approach God. You guys with me? Yeah? You guys doing okay? All right. Like, you know, a little heavy for summertime. All right. I just wanted to sing. Hold on. Okay. So if you have your Bibles, come with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. So as we approach God, the number one thing is that we are grateful. The second thing is given from an account of Jesus in Hebrews 5. You guys there? Almost? Okay, Hebrews 5, chapter 7 says, During... The days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. This is key. He was heard because of his reverent submission. I'll say that again. He, Jesus, was heard because of his reverent submission. And I'm reading that verse, and I'm like, oh, man. How did I get it this wrong? How is my prayer life that far off? Who on earth told me that I could just, you know, at a whim? And, and I'm, I'm kind of a closet charismatic, so I'm, I'm praying all day, right? I'm praying in my head. I'm praying when I'm eating. I'm praying when I'm turning. I'm praying. Like, I'm praying all the time. But when I see the pattern of Jesus, that according to God's word, the only reason God heard him was because he came to him in reverent submission. This is God's son. This is the person that's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. This is the God saying, he is in me and I am in him and we are one. Jesus, fully God and fully man, is approaching the maker of heaven in reverent submission. He's coming to God like, okay, Lord, I, I just, okay, I'm, I, you know, I'm kneeling down right now. I, I'm so submitted to you. I revere you and I respect you so much. You are here and I am here. You are up here and I am here and I'm going to kneel 
and plead that you save my life. And the only reason God heard it was because of his reverent submission. How many prayers are we praying that God is not listening to? Where we have got it twisted, excuse me, twisted, uh, confused, um, not fully understanding different meanings. We've got it confused that we think that we can just say whatever we want to the maker of heaven and he's going to hear us. According to this verse, he's not. According to this verse, the way to approach God is in reverent submission to him. I remember I was in my cousin's wedding when I was nine years old, and I'm 28 now. So this was before, you know, Facebook and before Twitter and social media and all that stuff. And in my cousin's wedding, um, her husband used to play in the NBA, so his best man was Magic Johnson, right? And so we're out in Vegas, and that's where they're getting married, and it's at the Mirage. And so at that time, you know, the Mirage was like the biggest hotel on the Strip, and they had just made the, uh, the volcano and all these things. It's like the hottest show. So we start to walk through the Mirage, and they tape off the whole casino, for us to walk through, because they heard that Magic Johnson was coming. So again, remember, this is a time where it's not accessible to celebrities, where they were like real-life celebrities, right? These people were larger than life. And if you didn't see Magic Johnson on TV, if you saw him in person, it's like, whoa, he's huge, he's incredible, he's won five championships, that's Magic Johnson. Like, are you kidding? He's here right now. And so as he's walking through the hotel, you should have just seen these people's faces like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's Magic Johnson. I can't believe it's Magic Johnson. They're just running along the tape trying to take pictures and trying to jump in with him. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm in the back just like dancing, like, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to flirt with people and stuff. And so I'm like, this is amazing. I felt like a celebrity for five minutes. But you should have seen the reverence that these people had for him. I had never seen anything like it, never have. Just the awe on their face, just wide open. Oh my gosh, Magic Johnson's walking through the hotel right now, and he's, he's walking all the way here, and we can walk with him all the way to the end, and let's just get as many pictures with him as possible. It was incredible to see how awe-inspiring one man changed the whole casino. He literally shut down the whole hotel for an hour or so. I've never been to Vegas and ever seen that happen ever, ever since. How much more so should we be when we meet with God? How much more reverent should we approach God? What should our facial expressions be like? What should our heart be like? That we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I get to sit and talk with the creator of the universe right now. I can't believe I have that privilege. I can't believe he's given me that right to the sacrifice on the cross. I can't believe it. This just blows me away that I get to wake up this morning and talk to the maker of heaven. This is nuts. I revere you, Lord. I respect you so much. I'm submitted to you. I'm submitted to you. You're here and I'm here. You're here and I'm here. I'm so sorry if I've ever twisted that relationship up to think that we are here. I'm so sorry for that. I was speaking at a Syriac Orthodox conference a few weeks ago, and it was incredible. If you guys don't know, Syriac Orthodox is the oldest tradition, oldest Christian tradition on earth. So they literally still speak Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. And to go there, the biggest thing that tripped me out was 
the place is full of young adults. The place is full of high schoolers. You know, thousands and thousands of kids who are reciting the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And right now they're getting a huge resurgence of people coming back to the church and coming back to things like Greek Orthodox. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of these buildings coming up. And so they're getting a huge resurgence in their movement right now. And I don't think it's by mistake that people have a, a, a need deep within to come back to something that they can revere, come back to something that they can respect, come back to something that they can truly experience and really give themselves over to discipline. College students are giving interviews left and right saying, man, I actually like to sing hymns. I actually like to, to memorize things. I actually like the act of getting on my knees. Because the act of reverent submission to God is actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. It will change your perspective on life. It will change your perspective on the daily situations, the daily grind, when you don't have enough money for gas and your relationship is on the rocks and you don't know what's going to happen to God. It will change your perspective because you begin to realize just how big God is in comparison. He's here and I'm here. We need to come to him in gratitude and reverent submission. And after we've done that, congratulations, man. You've, you've entered, right? Like, like the Indiana Jones scene, you know? Junior, like, go back in there. You know? You're here now. We are sitting in the presence of God. And then we begin to sit, and we read his word, and we let it sink in. And you read his word, and you let it sink in. You might want to write a little bit. You read his word. And you let it sink in. Another fun fact, uh, the word says that faith come by hearing the word of God. Um, faith come by hearing the word of God. There are many ways to worship him. Um, you, can, you can sing, you can dance, you can cry, you can scream, you can do whatever. There are so many different ways to worship God. So many different ways. You might be listening to secular music and being like, man, they have no idea this is a worship song. This is amazing. There's so many ways to worship God. There is one way we can talk to God. He's given us that through the act of prayer. That's our hotline to God. But there's only one way, church. There's only one way to hear from God. There's only one. That is by the word. That is by reading the word and getting it inside of you and getting it inside of you and constantly creating more and more reference points for your life. Constantly creating more and more reference points so that when you get out on the fringe, you're like, whoa, this is kind of weird. This is kind of weird. I feel like I'm all over the place. I feel like my life is just everywhere. All of a sudden, the Bible hits you with a reference point that you can look your eyes to. Man, yeah, man this, is, this is not what I planned for my life. Whoa, 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 where, where, where is the money going to come from? How are people going to get healed? How are people going to get back to normal? When is my stress level going to get back? And all of a sudden, it's just Hebrews 2, 3, you know, for I've given you a vision, and though it linger, wait for it, it will come. Man, I just don't know how I'm going to provide. I just don't know how. Whoa, whoa, he, he's given me a plan to prosper me in the future. Man, I just, I just don't feel like it's me. I feel like it's someone else that's going to get the job. I don't feel like I'm worthy of that. I don't feel like I'm worthy of that experience. Whoa. 
for you are hopefully and wonderfully made. And God speaks to you, and he speaks to you, and he speaks to you. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm just so exhausted, for I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me. And he speaks to you, and he speaks to you, and he speaks to you through time spent in his holy word. You guys still with me? Yeah? You guys doing all right? (laughs) Okay. I was, uh, I don't know, for some reason I talk about my friend here a lot, but um, we're getting ready to plan a huge event uh, with um, a few mosques in the area. And so because of all the violence that's happening in the Middle East, uh, we are going to do a crazy event where um, God just put it on my heart that said, you know what, like, you could easily turn this TV off or you could be led by the Holy Spirit and want to do something about it. Do you, do you care? And newsflash, probably the answer isn't to, to do nothing and talk about how bad Muslims are, right? <laughs> I think a few thousand years have taught us that's probably not the best way to try and create peace in the world. So we're going to do this event where we're going to get a whole bunch of mosques together, a bunch of churches, and we're just going to wash each other's feet. And it's just going to be an event of reconciliation, of healing, that says, I may not agree with you, but because of my Savior, because of who Jesus is, I love you. And that if we can connect here, I believe that the world can see uh, our mission. And hopefully we can stop some of this fighting and some of this killing that's going on in this Muslim-Christian war that's happening everywhere. So, anyways, a good friend of mine, Shaq, uh, over at his house for dinner, and his kids stand up to pray... And my girlfriend and I had just got done praying, and his kids stand up to pray, and they are reciting the whole Quran by heart. They're like eight and nine years old. And they just know every single prayer by heart. They know exactly what to say, exactly what to do. And there is a, there's obviously a downside to that, Christians, because it sometimes can be void of real relationship, and you're just kind of saying words. But at the same time, there's an inspiring attribute to it, to the fact that they're memorizing things. Uh, in the first century Jewish world, 10 and 11-year-olds had half of this book memorized by word. It's called the Torah. They had it memorized. They couldn't graduate from school until they could recite every single word by heart. So I want to encourage you, as you're reading the text, as you're praying, as you're writing, you know, take out a note card. Take out something. Take out a little... A bulletin board, something where you're constantly reminding yourself and allowing yourself to memorize the word because that is how you're going to hear. And the Holy Spirit will grab certain verses and certain reference points based on the situations that are going on in your life and they'll bring it to the forefront of your mind. So allow yourself to memorize. Now, I'm assuming that most of you guys have heard things like this before. I'm assuming that because we're in church, um, this isn't the first time, nor the last time, you will hear a pastor try and encourage you to spend more time with the Word. So the question then is, why don't we do this? Why isn't this our morning ritual? Why don't we just wake up so excited to do this every single morning, day in, day out, no matter what? Um, I believe it's because of fear. It's it's the resistance that we all talk about. Um, the writer Stephen Pressfield says, before he sits down to write a book, 
It's like the strongest emotion. He can't even get it out of him. It's like this resistance. It's almost this magnetic pull keeping him from his laptop to sit down and write. And his soul is longing for it so much, but it's almost like this pull that's saying, no, no, just put it off for a little longer. Put it off for a little longer. Don't do it. Uh, author Brene Brown says that the resistance never comes more strongly than when you uh, have your hand on the, the door to life's arena. Meaning when you have your hand on the door to open it up into God's calling for your life and God's purpose for your life and God's vision for your life and what your soul is really crying for, when you get to that moment, it's like, oh man, you just start getting hit with all these shame buttons. You start getting hit with every single reason to put this off, every single reason to do this later. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it just gets put off longer and longer and longer. I'll read next week. I'll read next week. I'll read next week. I'll read next week. And the whole time we're doing that, we're telling people, yeah, man, I need, I need to read more. I need to read more. I need to get more in his word. I need to get closer to God. Um, the Apostle Paul talks about this emotion, too. He wrote to the Romans. He said, I do not understand what I do. He says, for what I want to do, I do not do. He says, I hate what I do. I know I want to read the Bible. I know I have a vision in my life of being in prayer every single day and filling the Holy Spirit on me and just being ignited to go out and start the day and bless people and start to be so joyful and just so patient and kind. I know that's what I want for my life. But I don't do it. And it's because of this fabrication that we see about God that's been so demonized over the years that we honestly think that when we approach Him, we're going to be hit with shame. That He's going to try and point out a critique in us of a weak moment. How could you come to me when your family's struggling? How could you come to me when you look like this? How could you come to me when people have this perception of you? How can you come to me when you can barely pay the bills? And we have this concept of God that unless we're perfect that unless we're fully whole, unless we're fully healed, that we don't have the right to spend that time in His Word. But I want to tell you guys, that is nothing short of a lie. That this book right here, when I'm feeling low, when I'm feeling down, when I'm sad, when I'm tired, that this book is the first place we should go. This should be stop number one. Like a drink of water, like a piece of bread, This is our stop, number one. And when we come to God, and we begin to pray to Him and read His Word, I guarantee you that you will only be met with grace. You will only be met with love. You will only be met with acceptance. You will only be met with joy. That your energy level will instantly go up. You guys know what I'm talking about? Even if you don't even understand what you read sometimes, you just feel better after you read it. Right? (laughs) Right? you will have a better life if you choose to just break through that resistance. An easy way to do it is to not go, yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and read for four and a half hours before work. <laughs> like, wake up, dang, and I was late. All right, I'll show you the next morning. I'm going to wake up and do five hours before work. All right? Six hours, seven hours. Anybody who's ever tried to lose weight has experienced this before. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to run a mile. Dang, dang it, I didn't, I didn't wake up in time. Okay, the next day I'm going to wake up and run two miles to, to beat myself up for not running the first mile. And okay, I'll, I'll show you self. 
before you know it, then you're back down your negative, you know, shame spiral, and you're like, oh, I'm such a loser, I can't do anything. Like, so let me advise you, set some small goals. I'm going to wake up and just spend five minutes with God today. I'm going to wake up and, and spend six minutes. Before you know it, you're going to create some new habits, and you're going to build some new muscles, and you're actually going to start to crave that time with him every single day. So, break through that resistance. And when you do, it will be hard. It will be challenging. Um, William Butler Yates once wrote, he said, it takes more time for your, it takes more courage for one to examine the dark corners of one's soul than it does for a soldier to fight on the battlefield. So it takes more courage to sit down with God and allow you to just be there spiritually naked and to see him every part of your body and every crevice of your body. It takes a lot of courage to do that. I understand that's where the fear comes from. But I want to encourage you to break through that resistance. Okay. So I want to talk about the benefits. You guys say, okay, you sold me. I got it. I'm waking up tomorrow morning, maybe even tomorrow night. I'm going to spend some time with God. This is going to be a new lifestyle for me. This is my summer reading I got it. This is what I'm going to do. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you guys about the benefits of doing this for one second. Number one is your faith will increase. Your faith will increase. And this isn't um, stepping out on something and and hoping that you're going to land on it. It's not that kind of faith. It's your actual things that you're certain about. Your actual belief system. Your code of ethics. Your moral. That you're belief system will begin to increase more. Guys, let me tell you something. It is a blessing to be able to believe in something. People all over the world are struggling so much because at the end of the day, they really don't have anything to believe in. And so a lot of the violence that we see are just people, I'm willing to just, I'll believe in anything. Just something I can put my faith onto. Something but we actually get to believe in something that's true. We get to believe in something that's right, something that's good. As you spend more and more time with God, your belief will increase. You will become so much stronger every single day because people can't tell you anything because you're like, you know what, I know what's true for me. I know what I believe. They can take your job away, house, family. I just did a a funeral of a baby that was alive for a day last week. And they can take your children away. But they will never be able to take your belief system away. Never your faith. Never your faith. Never your faith. And to go out into this world every single day, it's got to be as strong as it can be. You've got to work it out every single day. Grow my faith stronger. Grow my faith stronger. That's going to come with time in the Word. Number two is you will begin to see God more because you'll begin to recognize him more. Last year for my birthday, I walked outside and there was a, a Snickers and a Coke. And that's like my kind of my, my bad food, you know what I mean? Like my pleasure food. Like I used to eat it a lot more, but I was like, man, I don't know what it is. Like you give me a Snickers and a Coke, I'm happy. I don't need anything else in life. I'm good. So when I walked out and I saw it, I was like, Man, like, I know exactly who that was. Because there's only a few people that know that I like to eat that all the time. And as soon as I saw it, it just was, oh, boom, okay, that's my best friend who did that for me. That was really, really cool. This is going to be a happy birthday. But the only reason I know that is because 
I recognize his actions. As you grow closer and closer and closer to God, you'll begin to see him more and more and more. All over. It's like these blinders will come off and you'll just begin to see him. And at the end of the day at work, you'll be like, man, I, oh, man, I knew that was God. I knew that was God today. How, how, how do you know that? Because I just know him. I just know what he does. I just know how he acts. I know when he jumps into situations and you're just driving stressed out, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just comes over you and you just get a wave of peace. Man, I, I know that's God right now. I know that's God. I don't have, even have to wonder. I know that God's on me right now. You'll begin to see him in every situation. You'll begin to see God in people. You'll begin to see God in people before they see it in themselves. Mean people. People with nasty faces and people that are just, just you know, smoking and drinking all day and just cussing and mean and just, you can't even be around them for five minutes before they put you down. They're just negative and they're just toxic people. But when you spend that time with the Holy Spirit, you can just sit there and be like, you know what? I know you don't see it yet, but you are an incredible person. You don't know it yet. But God is in you, and I believe that he's doing a work in you. That you will have that peace that surpasses understanding, and you'll begin to see God in every situation. Third one is, you will have increased joy. Happiness is a byproduct of joy. Because you can be happy for a second, and then it can leave, and you can be happy, and then it can leave, and you can be happy, and it can leave. But joy is something from the Holy Spirit that is sustainable. That you're just joyful. You are a joyful person. How does she still have a smile on her face when everything is going bad in her life? It's like she's just unshakable. She's unmovable. It's because she's a joy-filled person. David literally talked about being so excited and so passionate for God that he would literally jump before God and, and leap before God and dance because he was so overwhelmed with joy, with joy, with joy. Joy is a Christian emotion. This is not positive thinking. This is not happiness that everything's going to be okay in life. But joy is something from the Holy Spirit that God's given you that no matter what you're going through, when you're going through hell, that you'll still be able to maintain joy. That at the end of the day, because your belief is so strong, you're like, you know what, I know that God has it all worked out. How can you smile? Because I know that God loves me. I know that he's working it out in this situation. Joy, joy, increase of joy, more laughing, more smiles, more energy. These are God's medicine designed for you. You will have more joy. Lastly, you will experience an increase of passion. An increase of passion. My girlfriend's in Kenya right now, and I'm going to go with her. Uh, I'm going to meet her out there next week. And I'm talking to her via Skype, and she works at an orphanage out there. And so she just starts crying and crying and crying, thinking about these kids that she loves so much. And that word passion in the Latin literally means pain. It's something that you feel so strongly about. It's something that you care so much about 
that your body literally feels pain. And she's sitting over there and she's like, man, I just, I love them so much. And the, the way they cry, the way they, they hold me, and the way I, I talk to them, I just, I love them. I just want to do so much more for them. I just, I'm so passionate for them. I'm, I'm praying for them every single day. When's the last time that you felt that way about something? That you looked out at the world and you looked at a, a situation and you looked at the way someone talked to someone and, and it just hit you in a new way and you said, man, that just doesn't sound right. And you just got in your car and you got alone and you're just like, man, that just, that, that just gets me to the very core. That's passion. That's passion. The more and more time you spend with God, the more passionate you're going to be. Secret, being around passionate people are really, really fun. It's like, man, that dude just, he's got so much energy. I've never met a passionate person who didn't have energy. I've never met someone with zero energy that has passion. And as you begin to dive more in with God, you will become a more joy-filled, you'll become a more passionate person, you will begin to become to see God more and more every single day. You guys receive it today? All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, thank you, God, for your word, Lord, and I pray, God, that we just move forward in a new way. Um, thank you, God, for allowing me to be here with your precious people at Genesis, and I pray for their church, and I ask that you continue to grow it uh, with joy, with passion, God, and that we would see you in this place more and more and more. Steer our hearts to the word of God. Bring us back to it. And I pray that we just come as we are. God, you said, come, I'll give you rest. Come, I'll give you peace. You commanded us, Lord, to cast our cares on you, all for the fact that you care for us. Thank you, God, for being with us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.